Yeah. So Scott, you kicked off who's up, who's down. Um, I threw the graphic up there is because you were going on your your little rant about Pasternak. So you think that he's down a little bit over the last three games, um, which is from the start of the road trip um, to now to the to the Vegas loss. Um, someone else. Do you want to stick with downs first? Uh, sure. Um, so this one and this may have a lot to do with some sort of nagging injury that we just don't know about. But James Van Riemsdyk has not only been kind of invisible, but he's gotten demoted. So in the game against Las Vegas, he was demoted to the fourth line, which this I believe is the first time he's played on the fourth line the entire year. Um, so Boquist gets promoted massively to the first line um, because Geeky has to play third line center with Potter out. Uh, and James Van Riemsdyk finds himself not next to those impact players, not next to those, um, you know, your Pasternak's or your, your Marshans, where he was playing in the top six to start the season. He is now playing on the fourth line. Yeah, I think there is some sort of – we know he missed a couple games recently dealing with some sort of injury. I, I do think it's probably lingering a little bit. It's something he can play through. I don't think it's going to get worse, but – there seems to be some management going on there, whether it is, you know, rest games, not playing both games of a back-to-back minutes management. He's the last two games he's played. He's averaging 1241. Um, He did also, he did move around the lineup a little bit on Thursday. Montgomery was shaking, especially in the second period. He was shaking the lines up quite a bit. It's like, I saw him get a shift with Pasternak at one point. I saw him get a shift with, uh, I think DeBrusque at one point. So there were a few different combinations they were trying. And then I think the third period he was back on the fourth line. So um, yeah, it'll be definitely be something to monitor going forward. I don't, I don't really envision him as like a sticking on the fourth line, but we'll see. I, I did think he gave that line a little bit of jump though. Like they had a couple chances and, you know, we're, we're talking about ways to get more offense from, from your fourth line. I mean, James Van Reems, that can certainly help the fourth line generate more chances. I just think he also helps your one of your top three lines generate more chances. So I'd rather have him there if he's healthy and can handle the workload. Well, and you think about his power play to start the season. He was on the number one unit. And now Morgan Geeky has taken over a lot of that time playing the role that Van Reems played on that top unit, which is net front but van reams like also adds the the fact that he can win face-offs um so he can he and and he's you know we're talking about two guys that are real big uh, Ge- uh geeky and van reams are both pretty big guys whenever i stand next to them i feel very very small uh i usually just feel very small but when i'm near them i feel very very small uh and so he lost that role on the first power play unit as well so things have kind of slid backwards for him a little bit um whether it's injury related or or what it is um we're not sure and I I don't think he's gonna play poorly the rest of the season it's just a good time to note that he's gone a little bit invisible recently and has had his role scaled back yeah I I would like to see him back on the top power play unit at some point um I because they've been doing this kind of Zaka and Geeky sort of like interchangeable. Like they want to have two face-off guys out there and then one's in the bumper, one's net front. And it's really been more 
geeky in the bumper, Zaka net front, but depending on like what they're setting up, that can change. Um, I just, I, I don't think either one of those guys are as gifted in like that true net front role as Van Riemsdyk is. So his, his hand eye for tips and rebounds and his playmaking and like that small area around the net, I'd rather have him there. I, I get why they want two face-off guys on if someone gets kicked out of the dot or whatever, but I don't know. I, I kind of feel like you can figure that out. You can get someone off quickly or something if you need to. Um, Geeky had a great eight chance in the bumper on the power play Thursday night and whiffed on the shot. So that's, you know, I, I don't think he's been bad there necessarily, but um, I do feel like Van Reems like just, just brings more to that net front role. I, and I agree with you in that situation to that point um, as the specific net front person. Um, So I actually can't think of any more like obvious who's downs, but I feel like a lot of people have been kind of right down the middle, like neutral. Um, We, but I, I can't think of, unless you have one, Scott, any more like obvious downs. Yeah. That's kind of where I am. Like, I mean, you could you could maybe throw Marshand in there because of that overtime goal, but that feels like real recency bias. You know, he also has two goals recently. So I'm kind of with, like, it feels like there should be more downs in a week where they lost three games, but they all go to overtime. Two of them are against two of the best teams in the league in Colorado and Vegas. I'm with you where it sort of feels like there's just a lot of neutral players. Um, who who do you have as an up? Uh, I think I think there's maybe one obvious one. Um, just, to, you, just because, to... <laughs> just because, like we didn't. I mean, we didn't even really have him penciled in for anywhere, any spot on the roster. But yes, yes for, for Boquist, yeah, I, I think has played pretty well. Um, scored his first goal on Tuesday. I think that was right. He's gotten moved up in the lineup and. You know, it's not like he's setting the world on fire, but I think he's I think you've seen him play good hockey and look look a lot more comfortable in the Bruins system than like the than he did in the preseason where I think we said at the time he sort of just looked invisible at times. It was like we'd come on and be like, Yeah, I didn't really notice Jesper Boquist. And then his first call up this year, he plays four minutes, doesn't play the second half of the game. So we just haven't seen much of him. But I, I think now that he's finally getting some games under his belt, you you see a guy who can contribute in a few different roles. We've seen him play center, wing, fourth line, top line with Zaka and Pasternak, which, you know, I don't really expect him to stick there. But um, just the fact that he got a look there and didn't really look out of place is sort of a testament to the fact that he's just playing better hockey right now. Yeah, and, and he's getting more minutes because of it. Um, like you mentioned, under five minutes in his his first call up back in December, but he's played four games in January now. Every single game he's a plus one. So on the season, he's a plus three. Uh he has continued to get more shots on goal as as he's been up. So he had three shots on goal against Vegas, uh, two the game before one of them went in for him against Arizona. And yeah, he's getting more shifts as well. The the Vegas game, he saw the most shifts he's seen all season with 17. 
obviously when you're playing out there with the first line, you're going to get more shifts. Um, I think the biggest point of promotion is just that he is going from someone we didn't even know if they were going to get out of Providence this year um, to playing with David Pasternak. Uh, pretty quick turnaround. Um, but it's it happens because Montgomery was happy with the, the effort that he gave and the progress that he showed since he got that other, the most recent call up, which was like right around January 5th um, or because his first game was January 6th. So uh, he's still only at 11 and a half minutes in that game because uh, you know, he didn't play on every shift with that top line. So his minutes are still not David Pasternak's minutes, but, and he's not playing on the power play, obviously. So that's going to bring down some of the the time uh, compared to some of the other top six guys. I think he handled the role well. So you you go from having someone handle a fourth line role well and kind of drastically jump him up all the way to the first line. But he did what he needed to do again against Vegas. And he actually finished a few checks that I was like, oh, he, he didn't have to, but he went out of his way to, to finish some of those hard into the boards. And he's just trying to not be, you know, overlooked this time, like, he wants to be someone that you look back on the game tape and you're like, oh, look, he did this right. Like he's doing these little things right. He's in the right spot. He's playing with confidence. He's finishing checks. He's getting shots through. So kind of I think we've seen him take take advantage of the opportunities he's had through the these four games. And Scott, I don't know uh, what you think about him potentially staying up. Like what does that look like? Where Where is he at in terms of the – the depth chart of who goes down when someone gets healthy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think, and we've talked about, Brian's been on this a little bit and we've talked about kind of the identity of the fourth line. And, you know, do you have to try something a little different because that line hasn't really produced. And ultimately I still kind of see him probably ending up more in that kind of role than sticking next to Zaka and Pasternak. We'll see. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but he does bring a little bit of a different element in terms of um, speed, creativity, some offensive skill there. So he could get a longer look in in a spot like that, um, whether it's center or the wing. So he's playing well right now. He's I, I do think he's kind of maybe pushing guys for for a spot in the lineup and. Remember, like they signed him as a free agent to an NHL contract. They obviously saw something that they liked or that they thought could kind of help their forward mix. And it didn't pan out right away. Obviously, he got passed by some other guys, but um, he's been playing well in Providence. He was, he was on a line with Georgie Merkulov all through that hot streak that Merkulov was on. So you know, you, you need the help of your linemates to do that. So he was part of that. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I feel like I still don't have a great feel for, you know, it's just, it's just kind of just like a little flash from him, And then he goes quiet and eventually gets sent back down or has he actually turned a corner and he's going to stick and stay, you know, and play ahead of guys like Steen, Lauko, maybe even Beecher and, um, you know, solidify a spot in the lineup. Well, what I have to say about that is of those guys that you just listed, he has the most NHL experience. He's 195 games played and Steen, Beecher and Lauko are all well underneath that. 
So uh, he's he's got the experience, almost 200 games under his belt in the NHL. He, I think that he's, through these past four games that he's been up, given more to the Bruins offensively uh, than Steen has at any point in the season. So I feel like he's at least ahead of Steen right now. Um, Lauko brings something completely different, though, than, than Boquist. So that kind of becomes more of a uh, pros and cons of what you want the identity of that line to be. And I do agree with Brian's point that he made last time. Maybe make that more of a fast, high-speed, um, sk- more skilled line with Boquist on it than with some of the rougher guys that the identity looked like the vision for the fourth line looked like the identity was going to be real rough when they added Lucic and they have Lauko. And uh, I mean, even Beecher at, at different times has been uh, playing the role of more of a tough guy, but uh, I, I think that he's passed a few people on the depth chart over the past four games. And, and obviously it's going to take that consistency to do that over and over again to keep your spot. But um, I kind of feel like he might stick around over steam for the next, you know, however long that they, that they need someone to fill in in the lineup. Yeah, for sure. I mean, steam's been out of the lineup more than in it recently. So kind of feels like things might already be trending that direction. Um, another up that I had is Parker Weatherspoon, I think continues to play really solid defense for this team and has seen his minutes go up on this road trip, 2048 in Colorado, 2128 in Arizona, and then down to 1727 in Vegas. But you know, that's still, that's still a good workload and he's not playing in overtime. So that's all in regulation. Uh, he's with Carlo out. He's kind of, he's gotten a lot of time next to Lindholm. There's been some changing on the back end to switching, switching pairs up. But for the most part, that's where he's been gone to his offside played there um, and has really kind of had to adopt some of those defensive responsibilities. He's been on the first PK unit. Uh, I think, was it Colorado or um, Arizona? I think it was in Colorado where they went to a power play late in a tie game, Colorado went to a power play Bruins on the kill and Carlos out of the game. Lindholm was in the box and Weatherspoon was out there for all but six seconds of the kill. He was out there for a minute 54 of it and they got the kill. And, you know, I think you see him throw some hits yet. He, he had a good one Thursday night. Uh, you know, again, another guy that, Probably had very low expectations for Didn't know if you'd even see him factor in at the NHL level at all this season. And, and he has, and he's provided some important depth on the blue line for the Bruins. He, and he's hopped over other people we thought might be up like Ian Mitchell, who came to the Bruins in a, in a trade. Um, and, you know, Weatherspoon, somebody that we got a chance to see in preseason a little bit, but we really were, we're kind of talking about the, the depth chart being like the top eight defensemen, including Lori and Ian Mitchell and not Parker Weatherspoon. But he in the last five games has had no negative games. He, you know, he's been either even or in the plus over the last five games. Uh, 
getting mostly like more than 20 shifts a game. And this is really the, the big thing is that he hasn't looked like a defensive liability in any situation. So there's a lot of times where, where guys get a call up and they don't have a lot of NHL experience and you're, you're seeing like, okay, they're playing a majority of their shifts. They look fine. And then they have this one lapse of judgment and you know, it ends up in a goal or it ends up in a really good scoring chance. And you just remember that one shift that was bad. Well, I can't recall seeing him do that. And so that really means he's doing exactly what he's been asked to do, which is kill penalties, be a a bigger physical presence um, on the back end and just not make any, uh, I don't even want to say rookie mistakes, but any, any mental lapses, any mistakes that would um, end up in a, a scoring chance the other way that could hurt the team. And I don't think he's been a liability at all. No, and, and he's, you know, he's 26 years old, so he's not a kid. And he comes over from the Islanders organization, which is a team and an organization that has long stress defense. Um, so he's he's learned to play defense the right way. And yeah, I'm sure there's tweaks going from the Islanders to the Bruins, but that foundation is there. And I know the Islanders have changed a little bit under Lane Lambert, where they, they've opened up a little more this year in particular. They, actually haven't been a very good defensive team, but nonetheless, like he had that training, coaching, organizational focus on defense. So uh, yeah, he's been good. Um, His first year in the pros, like with any pro time in the NHL was last season. He had 12 games with the Islanders. He's already up to 14 games with the Bruins. So he's, he's passed his, you know, career numbers now and, and he's at 26 games. So I, at the very least for him, he's trending in the right direction. And I don't, with the injury to Forbert still being, we kind of just don't know when he's coming back and it's been pretty long term. He's going to be here for a while longer. Yeah. And I, I kind of think like, even once everyone's healthy, he could be sort of a perfect seventh defenseman where you plug him in any given night and you're not worried about it. He can play either side. Um, so yeah, I could see him sticking around even when the team is healthy. Um, Bridget, do you have any other ups? My, I have one last one, but it's actually not a current Boston Bruin. Oh, that's interesting. I'm just (laughs) going to go, I'm I'm just going to bend the rules a little. Okay. Yeah, sure. Whatever. It's a Friday. I'll let you. Um, so I'm just going to say Swayman and we don't have to keep it very long. Um, Swayman had a great game against, uh, against Las Vegas and he's on the cusp of making the all-star game. So I believe you can still vote for him. If you would like to see him uh, play in the all-star game, uh, get on it. I'm not sure the exact URL, but literally just, if you know how to use the internet, if you found this podcast, you can find it. <laughs> I, I think voting might've ended Thursday. I'm not hundred percent sure of that. Really? Yeah. It feels early. Yeah. I don't, it, it it is there. Like, I, it feels like they announced it early. They sent it to the fan vote early. Now I'm going to look. I don't know. Yeah, I might be way off. I have no idea. But. I'm looking it up. Go ahead. Let's, let's hear your out in left field um, up, Scott. Um, Only because we haven't talked about him in a while. And I feel like the last time we did talk about him, it was mostly negative. But Fabian Lysel has been on fire in Providence. Um. So, Nine I mean, points. it's still a Bruin, like that's still Bruins related. Yeah, I yeah. think you're going off the board. No, no, no. I'm not going way off the board. But <laughs> Fabian Lysel, nine points in his last six games down in Providence, plus five. 
um, by all accounts has been playing really good hockey. And like, you know, obviously the big headlines around my cell this season were after Ryan Mujanel's comments that were very critical of him, um, saying, you know, he needs to buy in, uh, can't, you know, basically I'm paraphrasing obviously, but like basically I can't be as selfish, can't go one on four against guys. And so that blew up and got a lot of play. We talked about it. Um, I wrote about it, but you know, you gotta, let's make sure we also give a guy credit when he starts playing the right way and doing the right thing and playing well. And now, you know, I don't think a call-up's like imminent or anything, but from that point where it's, oh my God, his Providence coach is saying, you know, if he doesn't buy in, he's not going to play for Jim Montgomery. And a lot of us, like our reactions, like, well, I guess we're not going to see Fabian Lysel this year. Like he's, he's way further off than we thought. I don't know. Then you get a stretch like this and it's like, maybe we shouldn't totally like rule out seeing him at some point this season. I'm not, not holding my breath. I don't think it's happening right now, but there's a lot of season left. There's still three months left in the regular season. Like it's not, it's not impossible. If the kid keeps playing well, he might get a look at some point. So just wanted to point out someone that's come under criticism who is now playing really well. There you go. Thank you, Scott. And to tie our two things together, the last two things we've said, Georgie Merkeloff is going to play in the AHL All-Star game. That's right. Um, and also, you still have a day to vote. It says voting isn't over. Oh. Uh, voting isn't over. Uh, it says voting begins in one day. I don't know. It says, literally, the big line says voting isn't over. So uh, that That's a skills thing. I don't even think that's the actual voting, oh. if I'm reading that right. I don't know. Wait. Wait. All right. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, try, try. Uh, voting closed Thursday at midnight. You're right, Scott. Ah, no, never, we never question me. Skill competition, apparently. Make <laughs> Wayman do something crazy. I don't know. Maybe put him up for the, the penalty shot trick or whatever. <laughs> what? Are they going to try to incorporate? What can they incorporate in Toronto? Because they've, in when they're in Vegas, they did what the, um, they did something like out in front of the, uh, the water fountain there. Why am I blanking on which hotel? That Bellagio? Is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in Florida, like they did something on the beach when they were down there. What's, what can they do in Toronto? Just go, um, just go shovel snow or something. Freeze their asses off. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> you're listing two places people want to be outside, and then one that is, uh, I probably wouldn't want to venture too far out in the cold. I, like, um, I always like like these the videos people you know teams share of like how guys find out they're an all star or whatever. Like that's also it's kind of cool. Like Province put one out from Merkulov with uh, it was like his teammates who revealed it at the end of practice. Um, Seattle put a, it was Dave Hackstall telling, pretty sure it was Vince Dunn is, uh, Seattle's all-star. And he was like, Oh, like you guys got any plans or whatever. And he, they're going to some, him and his wife are going to like some tropical location. And Hackstall's like, how do you feel about going to Toronto for the all-star game instead? And uh, I don't know. if he <laughs> so, so no. So like, like he was happy about it, but I'm like, that is like a, a funny question. It's like, 
I know you're going to the Caribbean, but how's Toronto in February sound? And his wife is still going, probably. I, I know if it was me, I'd be like, have fun in Toronto. Uh, I'll, I'll be coming back tan. Uh, and, well, remember when Yarmir Yager got the fan vote and he was like actively telling people not to vote for him? Yeah. Ovechkin He's like, I'm tired and I'm old. I need a break. Well, Ovechkin straight up backed out and then like had to miss a, a regular season game because of it. Yeah, that's the punishment if you yeah uh, like are, don't have an injury, like you don't have a good reason to not be there. <laughs> I mean, to Yager's credit, he did he did play. He didn't want to. He was like, I was finally gonna get a week off, guys. What the hell? Um, I mean, you get a bonus, don't you? Not that it matters to someone like I, Yager. Yeah, I would assume so. I think so. And if you're John Scott and you win MVP, you used to get a car. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like his his biggest payday of his career. Oh yeah, that was it. That was one time where it actually did mean something to someone, and he played like it too because he played really well. He played like he needed a new car. <laughs> All right, okay, we're getting silly. Um, so the Bruins have lost three straight in overtime slash shootouts. They are they have one game left on the road trip. Eight o'clock on Saturday night uh, in St. Louis before they come and return home for five games. So uh, we will keep an eye out for whether or not we see Brennan Bussey at any point in that homestand. Uh, obviously, we will keep you updated on Twitter with any injury information that we find out. Scott's really good with this. I'm much worse at Twitter than Scott, but I try. I try, but I'm just... Well, depending on how you look at it, you're just not on as much. So I would argue you're better at Twitter. I here's the thing. This is this is my thing. I don't think anyone cares what, what I have to say. I'm so I like I just like it. who the hell cares what I think about this? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I'm never on. I'm like no one cares. No one, no one cares. So see, I I have a big enough ego that I think yeah. people care, even though they well, probably I'm don't. Like so. who the hell? Who the hell gives a shit what I think? Uh, but anyway, I also have this podcast. So I mean, if you're listening, you, you, maybe you do care what I think. <laughs> But yeah, Scott has a big enough ego to take care of this for both of us. So right. uh, check out his Twitter slash maybe mine. Who knows? Uh, you might be pleasantly surprised. Uh, and also, if you have any questions, we'll probably do a mailbag episode here soon. Or not even even if it's not a whole episode, maybe like a 20 minute mailbag. Um, so definitely uh, comment or email us whatever you're thinking. And Scott, I'm sure you've gotten some in the in the meantime since we've done our last one already. So. Uh, we are working on that and we'll definitely do one like during the all-star break because we'll have plenty of time. Yeah, for, that. for sure. And, and there's like, yeah, maybe even ne probably next week because there's that little gap. They play Monday afternoon and then not again until Thursday night. So like you said, even if it's like a mini one at some, at some point. Yeah. All right. So that is going to be it for us today. Um, I hope you enjoy your weekend and we'll talk to you very soon.